Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Kinar speaking. Let me do that again. <laughs> good afternoon, everyone. This is Kinar speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God, a biblical instructional program. Shalom, peace for those who are listening to me in the United States in all time zones, and around the world. I want to talk today about the fruits worthy of repentance. But first, before I address that topic, I want to talk about what's been going on in Oklahoma. I really thought that the tornadoes would be over, but unfortunately, uh, God is, and fortunately, um, I'll explain to you why I said that here in a minute, but obviously there's I talked about last week about the gay activity in Oklahoma. And I did some further research on the internet and uh, you can do the same and I found this one article cuz you know the media is not going to connect any weather disturbances uh to uh God being angry at our behavior or our fruits cuz that's what fruits really mean. Uh, I'll get into the Bible started to explain that and to prove that. But when the Bible talks about fruits in reference to repentance, it's talking about our behavior and how we're acting. And, you know, 58%, 58% of the populace here in this country, they feel that gay is okay. That percentage, I think, is in the 70s, in, in, uh, in the 70th percentile in reference to the youth in this country. And I stated last week that the Boy Scouts of America, for the first time in its history, is allowing the youth, young boys that are gay, into their group. That, my... I mean, really, what I'm trying to say is that that is a very serious thing that happened to this country, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot take that lightly. Neither can we think that God is just going to sit there on his throne and say, Oh, great, the Boy Scouts. They're accepting gay boys into the Boy Scouts. Oh, that's wonderful. He's not going to think that way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for those Americans that do, you don't know your Bibles. You don't know your Bibles. 
I'm just I just typed in Boy Scouts of America on the Wikipedia website. It says the Boy Scouts of America is one of the largest youth organizations in the United States with 2.7 million youth members and over 1 million adult volunteers. Since its founding in 1910, as part of the International Scout Movement, more than 110 Americans have been members of the Boy Scouts of America. Again, more than 110 million Americans have been members of the Boy Scouts of America. Now, here's the Boy Scouts of America's goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to train youth in responsible citizenship. And let me underscore the word responsible citizenship. Character development and self-reliance through participation in a wide range of outdoor activities, educational programs at older age levels, career-orientated programs in partnership with community organizations. Now, let's understand something. The Boy Scouts, they partner with community organizations. If the Boy Scouts are going to start allowing gays, which they will be doing, then that's going to affect the community. And that's going to affect the whole country, ladies and gentlemen. Because the Boy Scouts are all over the place in the United States. It says, for younger members, the Scout Method is part of a program to inculcate in typical scouting values such as trustworthiness, good citizenship, and outdoor skills through a variety of activities such as camping, aquatics, and hiking. So, we have to understand Ladies and gentlemen, and someone asked me um, in our fellowship the other day, the headquarters of the Boy Scouts of America is not Washington, D.C., it's Irving, Texas. So, Texas better brace itself because the Lord definitely will let you know that he does not appreciate you influencing the leaders of the Boy Scouts of America making a wrong decision to allow behavior that God is against, bad fruit, the bad fruit of homosexuality. So I'm warning those, or should I say God is warning, he's just using me to warn those in the Texas area or those who live in the state of Texas that don't be surprised if uh, there's weather disturbance. I, I don't know what he's going to bring, but I know that he does punish wickedness, especially the homosexuality type. He, he punishes all wickedness, but the homosexuality thing is, is, as I've explained many times in this program, that's the last straw with him. Uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the one behavior that said, okay, that's it, I have to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he relates society uh, in Luke chapter 17. Let's, let's turn there again because Jesus Christ said this is one of the major character traits of the end time. Luke chapter 17. This is all in your Bible, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not making any of this up. Luke chapter 17. Verse 24, for as the lightning lights out of the one other heaven, shineth into the other under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in, in his day. And then he states right here in verse 26 of Luke chapter 17, 
And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So he's relating it to the days of Noah. But let me uh, point out Luke 17, verse 28. He says, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Here's the key verse, verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The whole epistle of Jude, a lot of it is, is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it leads to the second coming of Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yeshua Messiah is his Hebrew uh, designation for uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is uh, Yeshua in Hebrew, and Messiah, that's Hebrew for Christ. So... Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to take this serious. Uh, society will even get worse through the Boy Scouts of America because they influence the community. The youth, and statistically the youth, is more attracted to homosexuality than um, older adults. So, the state of Texas, it's not going to bode well with you. Uh, you you must repent. The leaders there must repent of this wickedness, or I, I can't tell you that things are going to go well with you, according to the Bible prophecies. I just can't. I, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I know that when something like this major happens, things happen that you're not going to like. And is. He wants to get your attention. That's why he allows these things I'll explain to you today on this program. He allows these things to happen to get your attention, to wake you up to your blindness, the blindness of not understanding the Bible, the blindness of not understanding that you must obey all the laws of God. Now, getting back to the Oklahoma tornadoes, I recently found this article. Some people are calling the tornado that happened in the latter part of May, in the Oklahoma area, the world's worst tornado. Uh, this blog by Len Lees on May 21, 2013. The title of this blog is The World's Worst Tornado. came one day after Oklahoma began Gay Pride Week. Again, it says the world's worst tornado came one day after Oklahoma began Gay Pride Week. And he quotes what I just quoted you, as in the days of Lot. And he points out, says, Our hearts are broken for the horrific loss of life in Oklahoma. It is our deepest hope and prayer that America, as a nation, as a nation, will repent of our wickedness before the Holy God of Israel destroys our entire country. And this is very prophetic, and the Bible says that will occur if we don't repent. And destroying our country can be destroying the social fabric of this country, which the Boy Scouts of America will certainly do if there's not repentance. And they will have a major role in this. Remember, the devil works in the children of disobedience. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you... 
have ye quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Okay? So we need to recognize this and people need to write to the Boy Scouts of America, talk to the Boy Scouts of America leadership and say, hey, what are you doing? Repent of this wickedness before you continue to, or you add to the curses that this country is even going to right now. We're going to have more curses because of this. Okay. That's one article. Well, yeah, I just wanted to read that article to you about this gay stuff and that Right now, as I'm speaking, tornadoes it says new twisters um, on CNN USA. It says in El Reno, a tornado looking at us dead in the eye, and it says El Reno, Oklahoma. David Stoudemire was inside an oil field repair shop in El Reno, Oklahoma, when he saw a tornado looking at us dead in the eye. So anyways, Friday evening's twisters killed at least nine people, two of them children, and injured scores more in Oklahoma, the office of the city's medical examiner said. Five victims had not been identified. Canadian County Undersheriff Chris West said the seven fatalities in this country were inside vehicles. Says a National Weather Service team found damage indicating an EF3 tornado has struck near El Reno. You know, we haven't even reached, we have reached, uh, excuse me, we have reached hurricane season begins June 1st. And we're just talking about the tornadoes. All right? And they did state that this is going to be a purely active hurricane season this year. So I'm giving you a little warning says, 25 miles west of Oklahoma City's EF3 pack gusts of 136 to 165 miles per hour. The strongest tornado is an EF5, which, of course, uh, those in Oklahoma experienced um, a couple of weeks ago. So it is, it's, this is horrible, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, all this gay activity that's going on in Oklahoma, God does not approve of. And he's he's going to tell you that. He's he's going to let you know that. And, and, and you have to understand he's not going to put up with this type of behavior. So you, you have to understand that, ladies and gentlemen. And, and you must repent. This nation must repent of what's going on. Here's another article here. Um by Lightgate Blogger, LightgateBlogger.com. This was written May 23, 2013, Oklahoma Gay Pride Week, Tornadoes and Judge Roy Moore is their connection. It says, you will not hear about this on any major media, but it is a fact that the Gay Pride Week began in Oklahoma on the very day that the first tornado struck. And the day after the massive twister struck Moore, it is interesting to me that Judge Roy Moore, who, by the way, is located in Oklahoma, who refused to take out the Ten Commandments from the courthouse and was forced to by the federal courts. And 
he states here, now you might say that this is a stretch to claim that there's any connection here, but it does seem odd that the more Oklahoma uh, tornado has been struck twice by, that, that more Oklahoma has been struck twice by a huge F4, F5 tornadoes, and the odds they said on TV were so astronomical, trains to one, that it makes one wonder if the Lord is trying to tell us something. It seems there is a connection between the Ten Commandments, the Holy Bible, and God's ever-increasing anger at the people of the United States for their utter rebellion and apostasy from, apostasy rather, from their utter rebellion and apostasy from his word. Now let's add in Oklahoma's Gay Pride Week. It says, this year's annual Pride Festival in downtown Oklahoma City may mark a milestone for the city's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community beginning Sunday, May 19, 2013. Now, in its 25th year, the festival has moved from a less glamorous area of town into the forefront of the Devon Tower and restored Film Road District downtown. For Joshua Sawyer, the move marks a significant step toward full integration and acceptance in a state known more for its social conservatism than its acceptance of the gay community. And I quote, the first Pride Festival ever, we were literally fighting the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, said Sauer, who serves as vice president of OKC Pride or Oklahoma City Pride, the nonprofit group that organizes Pride Week. This city and this state are not as bigoted as people think. Over time, it just gets better and people start to realize we're normal people just like anyone else. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to read this to you. Well, let me read the rest of it here. It says, Perfect Sunshine set the scene Saturday for the kickoff of Pride Week. A parade at 6 p.m. Sunday leads to, to movie nights throughout the week. The event will culminate with two days of rodeo, May 26 and May 27. And then he has here uh, when the uh, hurricane struck. And it doesn't surprise me that there's, hur- uh, not hurricanes, but tornadoes, tornadoes, I'm sorry, tornadoes, <laughs> are continuing to um, plague Oklahoma because of this gay attitude, ladies and gentlemen, that Again, we must repent as a nation. Those in Oklahoma must repent, but we as a nation must repent. The President of the United States must repent of his attitude about, hey, I think two uh, same-sex couples ought to get married. He needs to repent of that. If he doesn't, there's going to be more curses that will occur in this country. Unfortunately, Nahum, a prophet that hardly anyone knows of, I guess, but it's in the Bible. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 3, states plainly, the Lord is slow to anger. That doesn't mean he doesn't get angry, ladies and gentlemen, but he's slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. So the wicked will be punished. He's not going to allow the wicked not to get punished. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind or tornadoes. Whirlwind in, in the Hebrew here means hurricane or storm or tempest. That's what a tornado can be too. And in the storm and the clouds and the dust of his feet. Verse 4, he rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan languished and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languishes. In Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, starting in verse 23. 
Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. A continuing whirlwind, it shall fall with pain. Notice the word pain. Upon the head of the wicked. Verse 24, the fierce anger of the Lord shall not return, shall not return or turn back or stop or cease until he has done it and until he has performed the intents of his heart. Now, this is a prophecy because this is happening as I'm speaking. In the latter days, which is certainly the 21st century, you shall consider it. You shall consider it. This is a prophecy indicating that there will be quite a few weather disturbances, ladies and gentlemen, in the end times, to help you understand that God means business, to help you understand that you must repent. He's going to help you repent. And one of the ways he helps anyone repent is to cause affliction, to cause bad things to happen to you so that you can wake up from your spiritual slumber and to repent. And he uses me and other people who preach the truth of God to help you repent. And we get persecuted. Some of us will be wiped out or murdered. But that's the sacrifice that we have to to commit to. But, you know, if that happens to me, I know I have a crown up there waiting for me. You know, I have my treasure in heaven. And I know I'll be coming back on this earth with the Messiah to assist him in ruling this earth as any believer would if they repent in this age and they will become the first fruits and they will become priests of God and of the Messiah. That motivates me to continue to do what I do despite the persecution, despite people lying on me and saying that I'm not I don't know what I'm talking about, and etc. They did the same to you. Sure, they'll do the same to me and others who preach the truth. Okay, Hosea chapter six. This is the scripture I wanted to quote last week, but for whatever reason I couldn't remember it. Hosea chapter six, starting in verse one. This is a now prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. Read this in the King James, verse one. Come, and let us return or repent due to Shuvah unto the Lord, for he has torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. That's what the Lord does. He does punish, but he also heals you after you repent, after you change your behavior. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. Verse 2, after two days he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Verse 3. Oop, I think I'm quoting the wrong scripture here. Hosea. That's a good scripture, by the way, but um, for this, for the point I'm trying to make here, we need to quote another scripture. Hosea chapter 4. I'm sorry. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Hear or understand the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. And I have to put a little disclaimer here. Um, Israel is not just the Jews, folks is the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, which is included in that Commonwealth, Australia, which is included in that Commonwealth, New Zealand, South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe, 
and of course the little land of Israel in the Middle East. They all are part of Israel. You don't believe me? Go to www.britam.org, that's www.britam.org, and find out for yourself. Anyway, whenever you see children of Israel talking about those geographical regions, also any individual that uh, believes in Yeshua Messiah is automatically grafted into the children of Israel. So anyway, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy. He has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, particularly those geographical areas I told you about, because there is no truth. No mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. When he says that, he's talking about the majority. The majority don't embrace the truth. They don't embrace mercy, and hardly any of them have the knowledge of God in the land. Verse 2. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out in blood, touch of blood. Therefore shall the land mourn. And everyone that dwells therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yes, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. This is a prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. It was true back then. It will be true again because God does not change. He's going to continue to punish people the way he did back then. He'll do it again in the 21st century. Verse 4. Yet let no man strive, no reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shall thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Now, this is the verse I want to get to. Verse 6. My people are destroyed, and why are they destroyed or being destroyed? For lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. And he's talking about biblical knowledge primarily here. I will also reject thee, that you shall be no priest to me. And that's what the, all of us should be. We should be a priest to him. The nation of Israel should be priests. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, or the instructions of thy God, I will also forget thy children. There were some children, unfortunately, that had to die because of God's judgment on Oklahoma. Again, this is all in your Bible. You've got to study the Bible to understand why these things are occurring here in this country and why they will continue to occur unless we repent collectively as a nation. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. God calls each and every one of us a fool if we hate knowledge. Verse 23. Turn you at my reproof, do to Shuba, repent at my correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. If you don't repent, if you don't have the desire to repent, you're not going to be able to understand the words of the Bible. You will not understand what I'm telling you. Verse 24, because I have called and you have refused. And that's anyone that listens to my program. He's calling you. If you continue to listen and you understand what I'm saying, he is calling you. Don't refuse this call. That would be the most idiotic thing you can ever do in your life. Because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regards. 
Verse 25, but you have set at naught all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Let me read this in an easier version here. <laughs> the easy-to-read version of the Bible. That's what I'm going to... Now, let me read this again in the easy-to-read version because I want you to really understand this. I want you to pay attention to what I'm telling you here. Okay? Proverbs 1, verse 22. Fools, how long will you love being ignorant? How long will you make fun of wisdom? This is Proverbs 1, verse 22. How long will you hate knowledge? Verse 23, I wanted to tell you everything I knew and give you all my knowledge, but you didn't listen to my advice and teaching. Verse 24, I tried to help, but you refused to listen. I offered my hand, but you turned away from me. You ignored my advice and refused to be corrected. So I will laugh at your troubles and make fun of you when what you fear happens. And this is what he's going to do, folks. Verse 27, disasters will strike you like a storm, like this tornado that's going on in Oklahoma and in Illinois and Missouri. Problems will pound you like a strong wind. Trouble and misery will weigh you down. Verse 28, fools will call for me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find him. Yeah, when there's a tornado or a hurricane. Oh, God, help me. Now it's time to to come to God, right? But what does he say here? I won't hear you. They won't find me. The time to find God is when he's calling you, not when it's convenient for you, when you're in trouble. Verse 29. That is because they hated knowledge. They refuse to fear and respect the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Do you know that? Do you know what the fear of the Lord is? Let's turn to Proverbs 8 and verse 13 to find out. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, folks. That's the fear of the Lord, to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. So that's what the fear of the Lord is, if you ever wondered. Let's turn back to Proverbs chapter 1 in the easy-to-read version. Verse 30, actually verse 29 again. That is because they hated knowledge. This is the reason why he's going to reject you when the tornado comes to you, or a hurricane comes to you, and you don't want to answer his call. Or you don't want to recognize that he's doing these things, and you had the capability of recognizing, which I suspect more Americans have the ability to understand what's going on here. All right? Verse 30, they ignored my advice and refused to be corrected. They filled their lives with what they wanted. They went their own way so they will get what they deserve. Verse 32, fools die because they refuse to follow wisdom. They are content to follow their foolish ways, and that will destroy them. Verse 33. But those who listen to me, notice, you're looking for a place of safety. This is it. This is the solution. But those who listen to me will live in safety and comfort. They will have nothing to fear. Let me repeat that again in verse 33. But those who listen to me, 
will live in safety and comfort. You have to listen to him. And how do you listen to God? You take Bible study seriously. You listen to folks like me who do know what they're talking about when it comes to the Bible. You listen, and you listen seriously. But those who listen to me will live in safety and comfort. They will have nothing to fear. Do you believe that? I do. I do. You know, I have to address this homosexuality issue, ladies and gentlemen, because it's getting to be a real serious problem here. And he's going to hold me accountable if I don't warn people. So I'm going to do the best I can to warn you. Matthew chapter 19, beginning of verse 4. Jesus, and I'm reading this in an easy-to-read version, Jesus answered, Surely you have read this in the Scripture. When God made the world, he made people male and female. He didn't make people male and male or female and female. In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 19, and this is the Lord Jesus talking, so pay attention. And God said, This is why a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. He didn't say someone would leave his father and father and be joined to his husband. He said, This is why a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two people will become one. And then in verse 6, So they are no longer two but one. God has joined them together, so no one should separate them. And that's what we're trying to do today, and that's why God is going to continue to curse this country like it never has been cursed before if we continue on with this monkey business. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18, starting in verse 22. says, Men, you must not have sexual relations with another man as with a woman. That is a terrible sin. This is in the easy-to-read version, so you can understand clearly what this is talking about. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Men, you must not have sexual relations with another man as with a woman. That is a terrible sin. And, of course, likewise with a woman as well. Common sense should tell you that. And then in verse 23, it says, men, and this is probably where we're going to be going here soon because they start allowing homosexuality, they'll start allowing bestiality as well. Men, you must not have sexual relations with any animal. This will make you filthy. And women, you must not have sexual relations with any animal. It is against nature. And then Leviticus 18, verse 24, don't make yourself unclean. This is what homosexuals do when they do this activity. You make yourself unclean. Don't make yourself unclean by doing any of these wrong things. I am throwing nations off their land and giving it to you because they did those terrible sins. So this applies to any nation, not just America. Verse 25, not just Israel. They made the land filthy. Now the land is sick of those things, and it will vomit out the people who live there. Verse 26, so you must obey my laws and rules. You must not do any of those terrible th sins. All the terrible sins in this chapter, that's listed in Leviticus chapter 18, that all is sexual in nature. These rules are for the citizens of Israel and the people living around you. Verse 27, those who lived in the land before you have done all these terrible things, so the land became filthy. And, and this country is becoming filthy because of the acceptance of homosexuality, ladies and gentlemen, and other sexual sins that are listed in this chapter. Verse 28, if you do these things, you will make the land filthy. And it is, and it's getting filthier. And it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were there before you. 
Whoever does any of these terrible sins must be separated from their people. And this is all in the Bible, folks. Other people have done these terrible sins, but you must obey my laws. You must not do any of these terrible sins. Do not make yourself filthy with these terrible sins. I am the Lord your God. This is all in your Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Why aren't you hearing other ministers preach this? There's a few out there preaching. I don't know if they, they, they quote that scripture I just quoted you in Leviticus. So we, we have to repent. Let me read a prayer from this book. I didn't do it last week. From Woodrow Wilson, one of our presidents of the United States. This is uh, in the book Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past by William J. Federer. It's a good book. On page 149. Woodrow Wilson, 1911, governor of New Jersey, addressed at a Denver rally. A nation which does not remember what it was yesterday does not know what it is today, nor what it is trying to do. We are trying to do a futile thing if we do not know where we came from or what we have been about. The Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God and spiritual nature and needs of men. It is the only guide of life which really leads the spirit in the way of peace and salvation. America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness, which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. This is from Woodrow Wilson, one of our presidents of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. We need to listen to those wise words of Woodrow Wilson. And this nation needs to repent of its wickedness. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is a quote from Jesus. And saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Due to Shuva in Hebrew means repent. And believe the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of God. It's not just talking about a spiritual kingdom. Also a physical kingdom that will take over all the governments of this world, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. Will perform this. Will perform this. Matthew chapter 19, or Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous. If you're righteous, if you're doing the best you can to keep God's commandments and you're full of the Holy Spirit then this message is not for you in the sense of 
stirring you to repent. However, you should never think you know everything, and even if you are righteous, meaning you keep the commandments, you should always review what you know and always be open to learn more. Because once you get to a point where you think you know it all, that's when you fall. But he came to call sinners to repentance. He came to call sinners to repentance. And we all are sinners. We all come short of the glory of God. So repent applies to everyone, even the righteous, because the righteous fall sometimes. And we have to get back up. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him at the last day. In verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that have heard and have learned of the Father comes unto me. Verse 46, not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God, he has seen the Father. So anyway, God to draw you to spark your mind to want to understand the Bible. Now, he can do that in different ways. One of the ways is he, that he does uh, use, utilize to, to help you to repent is, is cause affliction in hard times to occur in your life. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or deepest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance, ladies and gentlemen. God, it's only by God's goodness that you will even be led to repentance. And in Hebrews 12, verse 6, it states, For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth, and scourge of every son he receives. Let me read this in another version so you understand clearer. Uh, easy reversion, Hebrews 12, verse 6. The Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a child. Verse 7. So accept sufferings like a father's discipline. God does these things to you like a father correcting his children. You know that all children are disciplined by their fathers, or should be, anyway. Verse 8. So if you never receive the, the discipline that every child must have, you are not true children and don't really belong to God. Verse 9, we have all had fathers here on earth who corrected us with discipline, or should have, and we respected them. So it is even more important that we accept discipline from the Father of our spirits. If we do this, we will have life. Verse 10, our fathers on earth disciplined us for a short time in a way they thought was best, but God disciplined us to help us so that we can be holy like him. Verse 11, we don't enjoy discipline when we get it. It is painful. But later, after we have learned our lesson from it, we will enjoy the peace that comes from doing what is right. All right? So that's the reason why he does it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the reason why there are judgments on the earth. Isaiah chapter 26 explains this. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26, verse 9, in the easy-to-read version, At night my soul longs to be with you, and the Spirit in me wants to be with you at the dawn of every day. Do you feel that way about God? Because Isaiah did. When your way of justice comes to the world, people will learn the right way of living. And then in the King James Version, uh, it's a little clearer, um, the intent of the verse. It says, When thy judgments are in the earth, 
the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Okay, moving along here. Um, in, Act, uh, in Amos chapter 4, verse 1. Amos chapter 4, verse 1. This is a prophecy. It says, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan. Let me read this in the easy-to-read version. Listen to me, you cows of Bashan. <laughs> Samaria's mountain. Mount. Samaria it was the capital of the, ten, uh, the, the tribes of Israel, the ten tribes of Israel. Okay? Um, and prophetically, it's talking about the ten tribes of Israel, which the United States is a part of. And we certainly have a lot of cows in this country, figuratively, as far as people being overweight. So he's he's definitely letting us know who he's talking to. Listen to me, you cows of Bashan on Samaria's mountain. You hurt the poor and crush those in need, and we have over 50 million people right now in this country on food stamps. You tell your husbands, bring us something to drink. So I wanted to skip all the way down, though, to verse 6. I didn't give you any food to eat. And he's talking about the punishments that, that he executes. There was no food in any of your cities, but you didn't come back to me. See, he does these things to help us repent. This is what the Lord said. Verse 7, I also stopped the rain, and it was three months before harvest time, so no crops grew. Then I let it rain on one city, but not on another city. And we've had drought problems in this country for many years, and it's going to continue, certainly this year. So I'm just warning you through God's words here. I also stopped the rain, and it was three months before harvest time, so no crops grew. Then I let it rain on one city, but not on another city. Rain fell on one part of the country, but on the other part of the country, the land became very dry. Verse 8, so the people from two or three cities staggered to another city to get water, but there was not enough water for everyone. Still, you didn't come to me for help. This is what the Lord said. I made your crops die from heart and de- from heat, rather. I made your crops die from heat and disease. I destroyed your gardens and your vineyards. Locusts ate your fig trees and your olive trees, but you still didn't come to me for help, or you didn't repent. This is what the Lord said. Verse 10, I sent diseases among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with swords or violence. I took away your horses. I made your camp smell very bad from all the dead bodies, but you still didn't come back to me for help. This is what the Lord said. In verse 11, I destroyed you as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And those cities were completely destroyed. You were like a burned stick pulled from a fire, but you still didn't come back to me for help. This is what the Lord says. So, you know, God does these things, ladies and gentlemen, to get us to collectively repent, to wake us up. That's the point I'm trying to make here. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah, chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 7. At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation, this is any nation, and concerning a kingdom, any kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull down, destroy it. Verse 8, if that nation against whom I am pronounced turn from the evil, do to Shuba, repent, I will repent of the evil that I thought unto them. That's what the uh, the Ninevites did uh, when Jonah preached to them. They repented. So it is possible for uh, a nation that's not, obeying God to repent through someone warning them and telling them and they listen and they respond and they repent. If it wasn't, then why would he have a prophet? Why would he have people preaching if it wasn't possible for for someone to repent? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. 
James chapter 4, starting in verse 6. But he give more, giveth more grace, whereof he said, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves to God, meaning that you obey him. That's how you resist the devil, by obeying God. And he will flee from you. In verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You have to humble yourself. If you don't humble yourself, you're, you're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Looks like I'm going to go a little over in this program because uh, it's important what I'm talking about. So um, in about 11 more minutes, I'll be off the air, but you can listen to the rest of this program in, in its entirety. I'm thinking that I will need about 15 more minutes. Uh, but before I continue, though, I want you to listen to this uh, commercial I created, and I'll be right back. This ministry gives biblical teachings for free, and we will never sell our teachings. The Lord commands us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so have the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. We are not a 501c3 church or religious organization that is associated with the federal or state government of this world. Therefore, your contributions to this work of Elohim, God, are not tax-deductible. However, we appreciate any tithes, offerings, or donations you are willing to give to this work of God. Your contributions will help us to continue to preach the good news of the peaceful and wonderful kingdom of God to as many people as possible over the Internet. To help us preach this important message to as many people as possible, go to our website, mercifulserviceofgod.com, and click the yellow Donate button. Thank you, and may God bless you. Okay, I'm back, and I forgot to tell you that I'm going to change the time of this program because I'm going to be uh, changing the time of my uh, local fellowship here uh, in Ohio. So um, I'm going to have this program now every Saturday, every Shabbat at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I will make that uh, change here in all future programs uh, for each description of each program. All right. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Beginning in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, adu teshubu, and be baptized, or be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, for the remission and the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, pay attention here. You need to change your behavior first. 
before you can receive the Holy Spirit. Because in Acts 5, verse 32, you can turn there if you want. It says that he gives his Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Repentance is a public witness and also a witness to yourself that you are serious about changing. But if you don't show that, then you, you certainly won't receive the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. That's the reason why I have to to explain today what repentance is. You have to be you have to exhibit fruits worthy of repentance for God to, to allow you to receive the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you understand that. Acts chapter two, verse thirty eight. For the promise is unto you, or actually verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I just told you that he is calling, and he will call each and every human being that has ever lived. But everybody is going to be called at the right time, at the time that God wants to call them. Verse 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So that's what he wants us to do. How can we save ourselves? By obeying God. Plain and simple as that. Uh, verse 41. Uh, by repenting. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and immersed. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly, steadfastly rather, and the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house did they eat their food with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, to the assembly, daily, such as should be saved. Now, um, when he states here, save yourselves in this untoward generation, of course, we know that salvation is a gift. But for God allow us to have eternal life, we must obey him. So that's what he means as far as saving yourselves. None of us can save ourselves. Uh, it's God that saves us. But we have to obey him. If we don't obey him, uh, he's not going to allow us to enter the kingdom of God, meaning that we certainly will not have eternal life and we won't live again if we don't obey him. So we have to prove to him faith must have works, trust must have works, as the Lord's brother explains in James chapter 2. And we have to prove to God that we believe him. And we do that, then we will be able to enter the kingdom of God and have immortality and eternal life. Okay, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, states this. Repent, Adushashuvah, and be converted. So we have to be converted. We have to turn from our sins, that your sins may be blotted out or forgiven, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, 
and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham or Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Verse 9. And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. The trees, of course, is talking about human beings. Every tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. And, of course, I don't blame them after hearing that. <laughs> Verse 10, they said, and the people said, what shall we do then? Because I don't want to be thrown in the lake. I'm just adding that, but I'm sure that that's what they were thinking. I don't want to be thrown in the lake of fire. I don't want to be destroyed. I don't want to be cast into the fire. Verse 11, he answered and said unto them, he that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. So this is a fruit worthy of repentance. This is worthy fruit of repentance. Giving, sharing, all right? He that has food, let him do likewise. So what what are the fruits worthy of repentance? Well, fruit number one, according to John the Baptist, is uh, giving one of your coats away or giving some of your clothes away to someone who has none. Number two is giving some of your food, not all of your food, but some of your food to someone who does not have any. Verse 12, let's continue on. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, or the tax collectors to be immersed. And he said, what, what shall we do? Well, here's another fruit worthy of repentance. Exact no more than what is appointed you. In other words, don't overcharge. Don't um, get more than what you should. That's what he's telling you. That's another fruit worthy of repentance. Verse 14, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man. This, of course, is unnecessary violence. Okay? And neither accuse any falsely. Don't lie about people. Don't accuse people. This is also, again, fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, it shows that you repent when you don't do these things. Um, I mean, when you do these things. When you do these things, you're showing that you have repentance. Okay? And be being content with your wages. In other words, uh, don't always want more, 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 more. I mean, content means to uh, to be satisfied. Now, of course, if you are making minimum wage, you can't support your family, Sure, you should be grateful that you're making some money, but of course you should try to improve yourself to make more money. That's not what Johanna's saying. He's saying that if you do have a nice salary and and if you are living uh, comfortable with your salary, be satisfied with that. Don't don't lustfully want more, 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 that you're never satisfied with your salary. That's a wicked behavior. So we should be satisfied with our wages. And what most of us need to do is get out of debt and manage our finances. Okay? That's what we need to do. And stop getting things that we don't need and getting in credit card debt. All right. So those are all fruits worthy of repentance, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you noticed that and I hope you study that that section of Scripture there because it's very important for you to understand. Great. Right, looks like I'm about to to go off the air here, but I'm still going to finish this Bible study in its entirety. And I uh, suggest and recommend you listen to the entire Bible study. Uh, it's going to take me probably another 15 to 20 minutes, and then I'll be completed. 
with this Bible study. You should be able to listen to this Bible study in its entirety. Um, I would um, estimate around 4 or 4.30 Eastern Standard Time today. Shalom. Peace. Okay. I'm in the recorded session of Blog Talk Radio. Let me continue on with this Bible study. Okay, so Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Starting in verse 2. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. Luke 13, verse 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And in verse 4. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all the men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except you repent due to Shuba, you shall all likewise perish. This is the reason why this is a serious message, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm giving you. When we hear the words of God and we understand that there are words of God, we've got to repent. We have to answer that call. It's foolish not to do so. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, because you will perish if you don't. Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. You're known by your behavior, not how much money you've made, but by your behavior. I know one church, they eisegesis that, the scripture and other scriptures where it talks about fruit in the context of uh, behavior, and they try to say, well, this, look at how much money I'm, make, uh, I'm making, this church is making $250 million. We must be righteous because we're we're making all this money. No, obviously they forgot this one scripture in Luke chapter 12 where the Lord says plainly in Luke chapter 12 that your uh, life does not consist of the things that you possess. Uh, let me find this again. Because it's a very important scripture to understand. Okay. Try to find it again here. I think it's in Luke chapter 12. This. All right, let me go to Luke chapter 12. I know what it is. Here it is right here, Luke chapter 12. And he says this, and he, of course he talks about one of my favorite parables, um, about the um, the rich fool. So let me, um, here we go. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetedness, or lusting. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses, and many people think that it does. They think a rich man is righteous and a poor man is not, not righteous, and that's not true at all. I mean, sure, a poor man can be wicked and a rich man can be wicked, but that's not the case. I mean, you can, there's some rich people that are righteous, and there's, and there's uh, poor people that, that are righteous and poor people that are wicked, and it's rich people that are righteous and rich people that are wicked. So anyway, Luke 12, verse 16, and he's spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man, rich man, bought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And it's, it's talking about in this context, of course, 
uh, physical fruits, not behavior. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Today, in the 21st century, you can interpret this as having several bank accounts. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods or bank accounts laid up for many years, or money, or investments, or property, whatever. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul or your life shall be required of thee, then who shall these things be which you have provided? Verse 21, so is he that lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So you don't want to be the rich fool, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah chapter 1. So let's, let's see how God wants us to repent. What must we do? Let's continue on with that. Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 16. states the following. Wash you, make you clean. Okay? Uh, when we immerse ourselves is putting to death the old man or woman and coming out clean and, and pure of mind. That's, that's And willing to obey and willing to receive the Holy Spirit so we can continue to obey and live a pure way of life. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings. That's what repentance does. From before my eyes cease to do evil. That's how you repent. Verse 17, learn to do well. That's a repentant attitude and want to learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Here's the fruit that, that God wants to see to show that you're worthy of repentance. Uh, relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Starting in verse 27. Again, when the wicked man turns away from his wickedness that he has committed and does that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul. So again, the Bible is telling you how to save your soul. And it's right in here in the Bible. This is in the prophet section of the Tanakh. States here in verse 27 again when the wicked turns away from his wickedness that he has committed and does that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. And of course, what this means is that you have to obey him for God to allow you to enter the kingdom of God to have eternal life, ladies and gentlemen. A salvation is a gift, has been paid for, however. Just because it's been paid for doesn't mean you sit around and do nothing, okay? And God wants you to obey him because it was a great cost that he sacrificed his son for all of mankind. Now, it's only right that we obey him. That's what the Bible means as far as saving ourselves. So none of us can save ourselves in terms of salvation. That was bought and paid for. However, he will allow us to live eternally if we obey him. That's what that means. Okay? So again, this is in, in the Bible, verse 27. Again, when the wicked man turns away from his wickedness that he has committed and does 
that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. So obeying does have something to do, ladies and gentlemen, with the process of salvation. There's no way that you cannot say that according to the scriptures. It does have something to do with it. Hold your place here. And let's turn to Psalm. Psalms chapter 119. 119. Beginning in verse one, yeah, 166. Psalm 119, verse 166. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So when you hope for salvation, you are doing the commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Just wanted to point that out to you. Let's go back here again to Ezekiel chapter 18. Verse 27, again, when the wicked turns away a Teshuvah from his wickedness that he has committed and does that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Verse 28, because he considers and turns away from all his transgressions that he has committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Verse 29, yet, says the house of Israel, even today, they say this, the way of the Lord is not equal. Oh, it's not right for God to say that homosexuality is bad. And he corrects us, and he corrects me. Well, I don't have that attitude, but people that do have it. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal or fair? Are not your ways unfair? (laughs) He's trying to to reason with us, you know, but we're so stubborn. Verse 30, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, as he is now, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent, do teshuva, and turn yourselves from all your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be your ruin, because that's what iniquity does. That's what sin does. It destroys you, literally. And he says here, I know somebody didn't know what he was talking about a few weeks ago, says repentance not in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. That's when you need to blow the dust out of, of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and read it. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be your ruin, Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you had transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, says the Lord God. Well, turn yourselves and live. That's how all of us are going to live, ladies and gentlemen, by repenting of our wickedness the only way. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 20. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, the West Bank, and to them, to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. That's what I'm talking about. We have to do things to prove to God and to ourselves that we're serious about change. And we have to start obeying. That's what repentance is all about. Second Corinthians. Just can't just believe, 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 and don't do anything to prove that we believe. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Again, <laughs> godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. That's what repentance will do. Salvation will be possible for you if you repent. You have to repent. 
to have salvation, ladies and gentlemen. I can't preach it any other way. That's what the Bible says here. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. That's just being sorry without wanting to change. Just like you know you're about to die, but you don't want to do anything to change that verdict. That's not the kind of repentance that God wants. Verse 11, for behold, this self-same thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness. Well, let me uh, read this in the English Standard Version or the easy-to-read version. You had the kind of sorrow God wanted you to have. Now see what that sorrow has brought you. It has made you very serious. It made you want to prove that you were not wrong. It made you angry and afraid. It made you you want to see me. It made you care. It made you want the right thing to be done. You proved that you were not guilty in any part of that problem. So that's how you repent, ladies and gentlemen, not not this satanic repenting that you just are sorry and you don't want to change. That's, that's not the kind of repentance that he wants. Let's turn to Galatians. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. But the fruit that the Spirit produces in a person's life is love. And love, what is love? Let's turn to Second John chapter 1, verse 6, to find out what love is. Second John 1, verse 6. And this is love that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you shall walk in it. So we have to walk in his commandments. Okay, getting back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit produces in a person's life is love, joy. This is all behavior here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law and no instruction against these kind of things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified their sinful self. That's what we have to do. We have to crucify our sinful selves. They have given up their old selfish feelings and the evil things they wanted to do. That's repentance. We have to give that up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, and to the glory and praise of God. So we must be filled with the fruits of righteousness. What is righteousness, ladies and gentlemen? Psalm 119, verse 172, righteousness has something to do with keeping the commandments. In closing, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were partakers of the Holy Spirit. That means you follow the entire process. You have repented. You've answered the call. You show fruits worthy of repentance. You receive the Holy Spirit. And so it's saying right here it is impossible if you got to that point for those who once in, were enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing that they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. 
for the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. And so, again, is is using the analogy of a human being being a tree. All right, and or or vegetation. And in Hebrews six verse seven, some people are like land. I'm reading this in the easy to read version of the Bible for clarity's sake. Some people are like land that gets plenty of rain and produces a good crop for those who farm it. That kind of land has God's blessing. Verse eight. But other people are like land that grows only thorns and weeds. It is worthless and in danger of being cursed by God. It will be destroyed by fire. Ladies and gentlemen. If you don't want to be destroyed by fire, if you want eternal life, if you would like to rule with the Messiah and become kings and priests, if you want to be in this category, in Revelation 20, verse 4, then I saw thrones and people sitting on them. These were the ones who have been given the power to judge. And I saw the souls of those who have been killed because they were faithful to the truth of Jesus and the message from God. They did not worship the beast or his idol. They did not receive the mark of the beast on their foreheads or in their hands. They came back to life and ruled with Christ for 1,000 years. If you want to participate in that as the first fruits of God and assist the Messiah in bringing many people to repentance in the millennium and after the millennium, then listen to the words of God that I'm giving you and show fruits worthy of repentance. May the great Elohim God bless and keep you and Elohim ready and willing. I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.